Hey, this is The Last Coffee House. Good to see you. We are talking about today the best of literature, The Master and Margarita by Mikhail Bulgakov. This is number 89, I believe. So we're just moving right along on these best literature books. And this is one of my favorite ones so far. One of my favorites, absolutely. It was published in 1967. It was actually written during Stalin's regime in Russia. It had a censored version published in Moscow Magazine. He actually finished The Master of Margarita in 1940, which is the year he died, I believe. But it wasn't published until 1967 when some, I think, French translators got a hold of it. Or it ended up in France or something. So 27 years after it was actually written, it gets published. And here's some criticism. Okay, so in the New York Times, Boris Fishman wrote this article called Moscow's Magic Realism. And he's got kind of an excellent breakdown here of what it's about. So I thought I'd just let him do it. Because I actually, I read this like a year ago, so I went back through all the quotes that I had highlighted. There were a lot, but this is what the critic says. Oh, right. So uh, apparently it was reported that on his deathbed, not the critic's deathbed, but on the <laughs> on the author's deathbed, Bulgakov said to his wife, quote, now it deserves to be put in the commode under your linens, end quote, referring to the master and margarita. And she, she obliged. She did not get it published or seek to get it published. It was much later that it actually got published. But here's the description that Fishman has of the novel. Quote, the novel spans several spring days in 1930s Moscow, during which the capital is visited by the devil himself, trailed by a piebald entourage, including an easily insulted giant cat with a fondness for vodka and guns. Registering himself as a foreign artiste specializing in black magic, Woland, as the novel's devil is known, proceeds to expose, via a series of seances at the Variety Theater, the greed and servility that rules even socialist Moscow. But this is a warm-up. Woland is in Moscow Moscow for Margarita, an unhappily married woman who once loved the master, the author of a novel about Pontius Pilate's consignment of Christ to the cross, chapters of which appear in Bulgakov's novel. The master burned most of the manuscript after it was turned down by a publisher and committed himself to a mental asylum. At Wolin's invitation, Margarita goes through hell, literally, to search for her beloved. End quote. I mean, what a topic for a book, right? Jeez. So anybody who's read a book before would certainly want to make comparisons to kind of the Latin magical realism or Latin American magical realism. So like Gabriel Garcia Marquez, that kind of a thing. And it reads a lot like that, except it's more rugged, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. There's something a little flowery to Gabriel Garcia magical realism, whereas this is not flowery. It's kind of tethered more and a little darker for sure so uh, it definitely floated my boat specifically the topic i mean obviously it invokes so much of the history of literary works especially like paradise lost and dante and other major works of western literature but it mixes in this you know hyper realism this magical realism it's just it's fascinating to read i thoroughly enjoyed it and that's one of the things about thematic or allegorical kinds of writing, you do need a through line of character and emotional upheaval and that kind of thing just to keep somebody interested in it so it doesn't seem like a big jerk off. But, uh, so in this, it felt more like there was more meat to it. It was just so much fun to read what was happening and what was going to happen and, and anticipating it and being like, what the, what was that? And like I said, just the, the undercurrent of all the religious stuff was fascinating to me. I love the Pontius Pilate book idea and the devil showing up. The cat is amazing. Oh my gosh, that cat is amazing. So it's 
just, there's so much good, so much good to it. Like I said, I read it once like a year ago. I'm not going to be able to do it justice when it comes to the analysis. The things that I read really recently that I've done recent analyses of, you know, like we talked about E.M. Forrester, we talked about To the Lighthouse, you know, those I, I read and then I did a, a podcast on them. So there, it was fresh and I got to really analyze what was going on there. But here, I'm going to need to read it probably a couple more times before I really get the all the thematics at work and the ideas and all that stuff. So I apologize that this is going to be relatively superficial. Hopefully it's enough to whet your appetite or kill your appetite if this isn't the kind of thing for you. So, okay, moving on to the quotes. And these are the quotes that were significant to past me. So we'll see if they're still significant to present me or now recent past me. Or Okay, so, quote, At the sunset hour of one warm spring day, two men were to be seen at Patriarch's Ponds, end quote. That was the opening sentence. At the sunset hour of one warm spring day, two men were to be seen at Patriarch's Ponds. Nice, clean, simple opening that does not betray <laughs> what on earth is coming afterwards. Quote, But worst of all was a third invader, a black cat of revolting proportions sprawled in a nonchalant attitude on the poof a glass of vodka in one paw and a fork on which he had just speared a pickled mushroom in the other end quote so that's an introduction to this awesome incredible amazing cat quote then the most incredible thing happened the cat's fur stood on end and it uttered a harrowing meow it crouched then leaped like a panther straight for bengalski's chest and from there to his head growling the cat dug its claws into the compare's glossy hair and with a wild screech it twisted the head clean off in two turns, end quote. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, obviously, there's a whole bunch of context to all this stuff that's going on that you're not going to have, but just, you know, enjoy it while it washes over you. Quote, The mist that came from the Mediterranean Sea blotted out the city that Pilate so detested. The suspension bridges connecting the temple with the grim fortress of Antonia vanished. The murk descended from the sky and drowned the winged gods above the hippodrome. The crenellated Hasmonean palace, the bazaars, the caravanserai, the alleyways, the pools, Jerusalem, the great city, vanished as though it had never been end quote. From what I remember, I think that's part of the book. That's part of the book within the book, but quote, just then a headless, armless skeleton appeared in the fireplace below, fell down and turned into yet another man in a tailcoat, end quote. Quote, Wolin was sitting on a folding stool dressed in his black soutane. His long, broad-bladed sword had been rammed vertically into the cleft between two flagstones, making a sundial. Slowly and inexorably, the shadow of the sword was lengthening, creeping towards Satan's black slippers. Resting his sharp chin on his fist, hunched on the stool with one leg crossed over the other, Wolin stared unwaveringly at the vast panorama. Wolin stared unwaveringly at the vast panorama of palaces, huge blocks of flats, and condemned slum cottages. End quote. I just love. You know, it's so interesting. Obviously, we've got uh, we've got a, a translation filter in between whatever was actually written in Russian when it was originally written, but it's just so interesting to me. I think this is a quality translation, and I love just seeing where this is going to go, prose-wise and idea-wise. So my just kind of general analysis about it. Like I said, I loved it. It's got a lot of anti-dogma messages. Remember, this is much like Paradise Lost and then it's likely and mostly a subversive criticism of the society in which the writer is writing, which is a really interesting thing because you have to go through and pick out where the writer had to cleverly be critical without being discovered. Of course, in this case, he was likely discovered because it wasn't published unedited, but this is an interesting perspective from, from when some artist 
artist has to make art, you know? We don't really, in the United States at least, we don't have to do that so much. I mean, it's kind of creeping back in. But as an artist, you could just kind of break out and do whatever the hell you want. But those kinds of restraints likely had a big impact on books like Paradise Lost and The Master and Margarita being under such draconian regimes that you have to be creative and being artistic and saying a bunch of things that people aren't going to want to hear. So it's uh, it's really fascinating. Obviously, I said a lot of religious topics. It's got Christ. What is it? Not... Masri or something like that. It's got Christ, it's got Pontius Pilate, it's got Judas, it's got the devil. I mean, <laughs> how could you ask for more awesome characters? So it's just, it's good. I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to reading again. It'll probably be one of those annual readings that I'll just come back to now and then, which I'll probably talk about. You know, maybe I'll have like a rereading episode where I just talk about the books I reread and what I found new about those. But anyway, so if you're interested in the books, I'm on Goodreads. John Shade Reads has a good read reads page where I just go through and I do little reviews of all the books that I read and say all the books that I'm currently reading. So that could be helpful to follow if so inclined. Obviously, thank you again to anybody who bought the book, John Shade Reads, Aspiring Authors Volume 2. I mean, Volume 1. I'm working on Volume 2. Much appreciated. It's very helpful and I love doing it. Uh, It's just, I mean, I'd probably do it even if nobody read it, but I sincerely really hope that other people read it and I'm happy for the ones who have. And that's on Amazon, just on Amazon. Anyway, not sure what's coming up next. I didn't look up with the next book on this oh my gosh the next one is on the road by jack kerouac which actually contains my favorite quote in all of literature likely my favorite quote in all of literature the one i have on my desk that i consider getting tattooed on my body so we'll <laughs> i read this once a year when i'm on a road trip so i should be able to remember enough to be able to go through obviously i'll go through it again and, and figure out my the quotes or the things i highlighted and all that stuff but that'll be the next one coming up and then we'll move on from there i've got some non-fiction one i love one i hate that are going to be coming up so that'll be fun and other than that i think uh yeah we'll just thank you so much for listening i hope all is well and i'll see you on the next one all right bye